Hi, I'm Ann Prisco, president of Holy Family University, and you're listening to Asked and Answered. Last month, I had the distinct honor to join a panel for the Forum of Executive Women, speaking about advancing women in STEM. Even as the job market continues to evolve, women are undervalued and underrepresented in the STEM disciplines. I was joined by Forum member Marta Villaraga, who moderated the conversation along with Laura Ipsen, the president and CEO of Elucian, and Kit Schumacher, managing director for Mancino, Burfield, and Egerton. I want to thank the Forum of Executive Women for allowing us to bring you this special episode and part of the conversation about what we are doing in higher education and in the Philadelphia region to advance women in the growing fields of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. So now I'm gonna turn it over to each of our panelists and ask them to share a little bit more about their background and share their story and how they fit into this theme of advancing women in STEM. We'll first go with Anne. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I appreciate absolutely the emphasis on this topic as someone who is a first-generation student. You know, access and opportunity was so important to my family as the child of an immigrant. My parents didn't graduate from high school, let alone go to college or get a PhD. So we were always raised by our family, go to school, education's the passport to the future. I was lucky I was good at school. I was good at math and science, but to be honest, Marta, I didn't know an engineer. No one in my family, no one in my social circles were engineers or scientists or any kind of a profession, mostly blue collar. So I realize, you know, now that I've gone through this advancement in one generation, it's a typical struggle of the immigrant parent to educate the children. I have a PhD from Columbia. Could have never imagined that. Back, certainly as a high school student, I aspired to be a teacher. That was aspirational for our family to be a high school teacher. So as someone who's had these opportunities, I always feel it's on my shoulders now to pass it on to the next generation. So math and science are fundamental to so many subject areas. I myself am not in a typical, what we think of as STEM, right? Because STEM is also social sciences, it's math. I have an MBA in finance and a PhD in economics. It's very heavy math. You know, many times when we say STEM, we think of science and tech, math and social sciences, psychology. Those are also important aspects of the sciences. So I very much appreciate us addressing this topic this morning. I just want to get us chatting a little bit about the trends of women in STEM. Maybe we'll kick it off with Anne, given her role in higher education, what can you tell us about the trends of in women in the life sciences in Philadelphia, in our region, and how are they fitting into these various STEM fields from your perspective? So what we're finding out is that about half of our students in colleges and universities are actually studying in STEM fields. And at Holy Family University, we are a majority, as most universities are in colleges these days, women. So 62% of our population are women, and about 40% are students of color. We're very dedicated to figuring out how, as a community, right, as a whole city that's known as Eds and Meds, how do we prepare women for our future? What we see right now is, I think, what we would expect. While half of the students are, at least half of the women are graduating in STEM fields, only about a quarter or 27% are actually working in what we consider STEM fields. 
what we think of as a traditional maybe STEM fields such as computer science and engineering is where unfortunately we see the least amount of participation in women, right? Women tend to be more focused on the life sciences, the biological sciences, at Holy Family, women tend to prefer the bio, right? They like life science, bio, neuroscience. We have students who appreciate the sciences, but many times need the guidance about what do I do with it? It's so important that we tell our students their journeys because they don't think about the jobs. So right now, about 64% of our women are in social sciences. Again, economics, political science, those are all psychology or considered social sciences. About 47% are in the math area, 45%, again, life and physical science. And then what we see is that 25% are more in the computing and 15% in engineering. So those are the ones we know we need to really work on are computers and engineering, as Laura's been saying. Yeah, you mentioned the disproportionate amount of women in the education versus in the workforce, obviously being reduced. So I'm wondering if Laura can fill us in on where are you seeing some of these trends happening from your perspective? Yeah, well, listen, I mean, Anne's right. When you look at the distribution, the the fastest growing jobs actually are computer science and technology, but women haven't been keeping pace. We're all focused on how do we increase the numbers and on my side on computer science and engineering, because it's the fastest growing and the highest paid jobs in the future. The trends, I will tell you just from Silicon Valley decades ago, we pushed to get women up into the high 20-ish person, 28 to 32%, most of the big tech companies. And if you look today, the challenging part is it really hasn't changed much. The total number has, but I think it's more of making sure that there are career paths for women, that some of those multidisciplinary degrees that you can have a computer science degree, it doesn't mean that you're going to be coding all the time. You both mentioned uh, something related to adjacent careers or adjacent opportunities within the STEM fields. Like you mentioned, Laura, even the computer engineering, the user experience. So what can we do as women are enrolling in these programs and being exposed to these, let's say, majors to help them understand that it's not a single lane, but that they can go to these adjacent areas that are still part of STEM, but can provide them with a different opportunity. What can you uh, share with us? I'll say two things and maybe turn it to to Anna and, and Kit from the healthcare side. I think one of them that we see as we serve institutions, and I've learned a lot more about their programs, you know, the the emergence of very innovative multidisciplinary degrees where institutions attract someone into a environmental science, but then say, hey, having a computer science background, having data science with it is really powerful. It's, It's making sure that we can combine that curriculum in innovative ways for jobs of the future. They're really amazing organizations like the Burning Glass Institute that tracks the skill sets that are specific to career enhancement, meaning earning more money over time. So I think the most important thing is for women not to feel like I get a certain degree and I'm stagnant. The, The issues now are all about lifelong learning. And as we've gone through COVID and gone online, that really supports women who may want to go back and study computer science. 
you know, I talk to to many women who are some of the that run women or girls of code who say you can code at any age. So there's still hope for me. I'm not a coder, but I think that's like, what does the opportunity look like? Not just in getting the initial degree, but going back and, you know, kind of stemming up, right? <laughs> stemming up for more mobility. I love seeing programs in higher education and there's more and more happening. It's more of a European model of apprenticeships, getting an apprenticeship, whether at Northeastern, at Drexel, like the apprenticeship opportunities where you can apply things. You can go in and explore more about what would these jobs look like? I think oftentimes you might go into healthcare and say, wow, I should have some level of engineering or computer science or other types of life sciences going there. So I think it's that open ecosystem of learning that's really helping women. So many institutions now, even if you're back in campus, are providing online and even into areas where you can you can use technology in a lab. Hudson County Community College uses yeah. technology. So if you're a woman who can't commute into Jersey City, you can you can see the experiments. You can participate in classrooms in science, in STEM, whole building devoted to STEM, and you're not left out. Because I think the challenge for many women, if you're retooling yourselves across your career, getting into STEM early, but if you don't, I just think it's important to know that you don't have to think, you know, you don't have a shot. You can go back and there's more innovative ways for more women to go back to school and completely change, you know, this back half of their career. Thank you. And so, yeah, so when we think about the different programs, one of the things we realize is that students need, as we said, the experience and also the exposure of careers. So many institutions, including Holy Family now, we're actually starting a three-year program. So we start as freshmen, integrating them into the college experience. And then in their second year, we start talking to them and introducing to them to all of these different career opportunities. They take self-assessment tests to see where they may fit. And then in that junior year, it is really important that they get out there and have internships. So now we all, we require every one of our students to have at least one internship experience. One of the things I would urge everyone to consider is at the firm level, one of our issues tends to be that internships many times go unpaid. And so the very students who need those internships the most, women who are, are many times juggling jobs, school, family, to have that opportunity to maybe instead of having the barista job or the retail job that they actually get to have an internship in some place that's actually going to provide them with a much better experience in terms of their career path. I also find that that's exactly what's happening in terms of the way students, as Laura said, are thinking about majors. I love the way students can put together different majors and minors depending on their interests. So one of our Lucian folks had said to us, we need cybersecurity. We, there's a half a million cybersecurity jobs open in this country right now. So certainly Holy Family, like many schools are stepping up. We've introduced cybersecurity, applied computer science, and then minors in digital marketing. Again, thinking about how do we market these days? So much of it is through technology. And then gaming design and administration. So the whole area of esports which again has tend to be dominated by men. How wonderful now that young women are playing these games, they're competing in these games, and it's one more way for them to engage in technology. Our local high school on our campus, Nazareth Academy, which is an all-girls high school, recently won the annual competition in rocketry. One of our friends said, well, girls don't like that stuff. They don't do well in it. She said, all the more reason that makes me want to do it even more. So 
One of the other things I wanted to mention too is we're seeing a shift a little bit in, in the traditional women's programs, especially nursing. Now 15% of our students in our nursing programs at Holy Family are male. And I actually think that's a good thing because it sort of, it lets them into a field that's been traditionally female, which fortunately or unfortunately actually raises the visibility of that profession. And then in addition to that, we're now seeing that shift for women to go into what have been traditionally more male fields. So I think it's benefiting both genders in many ways, and especially having that opportunity for people of color, again, to get into these fields. I'm very proud on 39% of our undergrads are minority students and 25% of our graduate students. So when you think about them pursuing master's degree, post-bac certificates, this idea that we really can't ever stop learning. So we learn in many different ways. Our jobs provide us opportunities to learn and we have to look beyond that. And in terms of modalities, you're right, Laura, right? Everything now, synchronous learning, asynchronous learning, active engaged learning in the classroom are all important parts of recognizing technologies woven throughout our lives. Thank you, Anne. Some of the comments that Kit made about being exposed to opportunities in a small company, I want to take that back to maybe the earlier years or even the higher education years. What opportunities or what situations can women who are, you know, middle, high school, or even in higher education get enrolled in, get exposed to, so they can get that flavor of what it is like and even start putting some mini strategic plans? I don't know that when I was in high school or in an undergrad, I knew what strategic plan was like it was not a part of my vocabulary so how can we start embedding that early on so that what they do will naturally translate to these opportunities again what the responsibility i think we're all recognizing in higher ed now is how do we help our students understand what their different options are and give them opportunities so many times we don't realize things like joining a club on campus, getting involved in an association, a marketing club, doing, you know, a project, it, they end up really influencing how you think about many of the things I did young. I didn't think of as I'm building my leadership skills, but you just wanted to step up, you wanted to get involved, and those things start adding up. So at the college level, I see a lot more engagement about the commitment of universities and colleges. And it's starting now even before, because we say that, right? If the student, if they're turned off to math and science and technology before college, then we have a steeper climb to get them back and re-engage. The other thing I wanna mention about mentors is mentors don't have big M's on their head. One of the things I've always said is some of my mentors are people who are my colleagues. Some of them were people who were younger than me. But so you never know who's going to say something, influence you. I joke with a fellow president. We were at a Rome conference together, sitting on a bus talking. I was a vice president. He had been a president for years. And he turns very listen. He goes, have you been thinking about becoming a president? With all your different experience, you should be thinking about a presidency. And I looked at him and I was like, wow. And then another colleague friend said the same thing. So again, I didn't think of them as my mentors. But it turns out they're the ones that started seeing things in me that maybe we don't see in ourselves. As women, many times we don't think of ourselves as we can be in the leadership role. So the fact that all of you hold these roles is really important for other women. And for us to tell our stories, because it is goes does go like this, right? There's nothing linear about our lives. There's nothing about you pick a major when you're 18 and you're on the straight path. 
So having the opportunity in college to do many, just take advantage of things, you know, take, join clubs, do the internships. And I've always said, and you got to be willing to work hard. That's one of the things I think we all always, I always have to tell everyone, if you want to move up, you've got to know your stuff and you got to be willing to work hard. I haven't found an easy way out yet. So, <laughs> If you haven't, none of us will, Anne. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You're never done learning. And now, as we've said, it's more possible, right? Because we have different ways of learning. We have the ability to do use technology to learn in a way we never could before. And not only in terms of the delivery of the education, but how we learn is changing because of technology. And so the whole idea of educational technology is how do we take advantage of technology to have all different kinds of learners excel in a way we couldn't before. Traditional <laughs> education was you had, to, you had to read and write and do math. Now, in a paper book. <laughs> a paper book, right. Now we have like, you know, wide bio books. You could go into a heart and walk around it, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just so exciting. I keep saying, and I'm glad for people because this gives us a chance to have more people excel. If you didn't have the patience to sit still and read and write, it was hard to be a student in a traditional way. Now there's so many different ways you get to learn. You can listen to a podcast. You can watch a, a video and learn something that in, in you know, an hour that before just wasn't possible. We have just a few minutes left. So I'd like to ask each of you for maybe two key takeaways. One, to inspire others to do something and a message, a key takeaway that you want folks to remember from today. And we will start with Laura and then go back up the alphabet. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, I think the most important thing is to give back bring others along, bring other women along, be the role model and show up. I mean, that's for me, the, the focus is all of us as leaders and you don't have to be a CEO or president of institution or the rockstar recruiter, but that we all have to lean in to support each other, show up. Being a mentor feels like an obligation sometimes like, oh, it's this long thing, but sometimes it's just a moment of coaching and mentoring that can really transform you know, a person's life, the small things matter too. We have big programs, but the small things matter too. Thank you. Kit? I would say for those who aim high, put your stake in the ground as early as you can and formulate a plan that includes mentoring, a mentor. And secondly, be strategic in the companies that you choose to join and vet them ahead of time. And a good retained search executive recruiter can help you do that. Go with a company that's serious about diversity, serious about advancing women, and isn't, you know, just putting PR out there that they're actually doing that in their organization. Thank you. And I would say I agree totally with this idea of do you want to make a difference? I like to use the word serve. We serve our organizations because we're passionate about the work that we do. And so what I would say to women is make interrelationships really matter, right? Relationships really matter and education really matters. So those have to be the focus of whatever trajectory you take in your life and making sure you're bringing, as we said, you're bringing along the next generation with us. That's what education is all about. That's what I get to do every day. I love it. Well, thank you all of you for your insightful contributions and for being here today. Again. Thank you to the forum for allowing us to share part of the panel discussion on Asked and Answered, and I look forward to our continued and important work together. To learn more about the Forum for Executive Women, please visit foew.com. And to learn more about our programs at Holy Family University, 
please visit holyfamily.edu. Onward and upward together in faith and family. I'm Ann Prisco, and thank you for listening.